0: Good morning, Steeler Nation. You are listening to the New Standard Podcast. I am your solo host today. My name is Neil Kulong. Lance Williams is traveling for the holiday, heading back to his roots in Macedonia or wherever it is that Lance is from. I'm not exactly sure where he is, but I know that he is not here today. I have a special guest with me. I'm going to introduce him in a second. I just want to go over. All of the news that we have heard lately and what a week it has been in Steeler Nation after suffering a brutal 13-10 to loss to the hated Cleveland Browns in week 11. A couple days later, the Steelers did something they have not done since 1941. You might have heard it, whether that was from me and the New Standard podcast or basically all of social media yesterday morning. The Steelers have parted ways with now, and this is fun to say, former Offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Matt Canada, in perhaps the least effective coordinating stint in the history of, well, the modern history of the Steelers, don't even look back into the 40s, 50s, and 60s with that team. You'd be absolutely shocked with some of the stuff that they did. Uh, Within the Super Bowl era, uh, one of the least effective coordinators in franchise history we wish him the best. We don't wish ill will on anybody in this show, but it, it was absolutely high time for a change. I have often said if it was not going to be on, if it was not going to be in this season, it definitely would have been uh, after the season. I think that was clear about two weeks in. And the question really became how long was he going to last? Why did he still have a job? Why is he not being fired right now? And so on. <laughs> Finally, they did. Mike Tomlin. Omar Khan, Art Rooney pulled the plug, and Matt Canada's reign of terror is over in Pittsburgh. He has been replaced on an interim basis in a combination of ways. Eddie Faulkner, the running backs coach, will be the offensive coordinator with quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan calling the plays on game day, and I would imagine with that there will be some coordination between the two of them into how they're doing what. And obviously, with head coach Mike Tomlin overseeing the efforts for both of them, I feel that that is it's not surprising. I had said previously if they were going to move on from Matt Canada during the season, which is all but unprecedented. Again, they have not uh, changed out a coordinator in the middle of a season since 1941, which isn't even really uh, organized football back then. So they have not done that in the modern era. Uh, If they were going to do it, Mike Sullivan was the guy I thought that they would uh, replace him with on an interim basis, uh, largely because he's been in that seat before. He was an offensive coordinator and play caller with the Buccaneers and the Giants uh, within the last 15 or so years. Not any time recently. I think there was a reason why he might have been available. And I certainly think that uh, he is on the hook in terms of accountability to some degree. Uh, for the the complete and lack the complete lack of progress we have seen from Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett to this point, Pickett's numbers are consistently uh, among the bottom of the league. I don't think that it's a stretch to suggest he is one of the worst, probably in the bottom five of starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And this is a year in which we've seen a lot of starting quarterbacks go down, so uh, things are not. Things have not been good in Kennyland uh, for all of the stands out there who really want to see Pickett succeed. And I'm one of them. Uh, he has not done that to this point, what he needs to do, what the Steelers offense needs to do to put simply is a lot of what they have not been doing. And, to give you guys a treat and to actually hear somebody who knows what the hell he's talking about instead of me, blah, blah, blahing all the time I have asked my friend, former colleague at USA today sports media group, Doug Farrar of touchdown wire fame. You might have seen him either on that or uh, somewhere in social media, Doug, uh, Doug and I, I, I... Like something <laughs> <on Twitter. laughs> Doug and I work for quite a bit and I'm turning my mic up so I can actually hear him. Back there as well, and um, fortunately, we have the opportunity to continue our our relationship and continue talking. And there's not a thing, not a time I speak to Doug that I don't learn something about the NFL. And he is absolutely the first person I go to to be on this show whenever uh, the need arises. So, good morning, Doug. Happy early Thanksgiving. Thanks for
1: joining me. And same to you. Yeah the need the need has arisen as as we have seen. We we can no longer blame Canada. Well, memes are done. Yeah, we will. Bye. Don't worry. I'm not your buddy, guy. <laughs> it's not a... your guy, buddy. All that. This is All this gone. is a fan base
0: that still calls it Heinz Field. You know. <laughs> what do you call it? Like Heinz, like Heinz
1: Fieldium. Akron Heinz.
0: Heinz Fieldium. In fact, yes. I, I think that should be the name. To be honest, Akron Heinz Fieldium. Yes. I like that. I think it, there, there's a kind of a, 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 a almost mythical, like Greek sort of feeling to it. There but. is
1: kind of. Or vomitorium, as, it, as the case may be. Well, I like
0: to look at the Canada era, that fits.
1: Yeah. Uh, I like that the last coach they fired in season was Aldo Buff Danelli, <laughs> because he wants to <laughs> coach the Steelers and Duquesne at the same time. <laughs> By the way, this was about the same time that Clark Shaughnessy was a consultant with the Bears. He coached Stanford to a, uh, I think, 11 0 record. But Clark Shaughnessy was a genius, so that's a different guy. Like George Hallis couldn't make him a coach because it would get him in trouble. So he was a consultant. Wow.
0: Hey, you know that that's that's a that's a bridge into many for two things grand a month, college. by the
1: way, which back then was a lot of that, that's a lot of schedule. That's that's some stuff.
0: It's pretty good for, for yeah. pro football, which yeah. was clearly like a tertiary sport in the United States at that point.
1: Exactly. <laughs> a Bunch of guys running around and bumping into each other like uh the Steelers.
0: That's a, yeah, that's actually a great description. Um, yep. of what we have seen, in particular from what we saw on Sunday. and You and I had a conversation offline, uh, something that you had posted in regards to what I call the infamous screen passes that the Steelers attempted. Mm-hmm. I honestly, Doug, and I, I don't like saying things like this, and, and maybe you you called me idealistic earlier. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I am just operating under the assumption that NFL offensive coordinators, position coaches – and the players getting paid uh, as much as they are are probably investing a good amount of time into their craft. What I saw out of those plays honestly and I'm I'm not even trying to be funny or hyperbolic, it looked like pee wee football. Like it, it 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 appeared to me there were at least 5 players on the field that you could make the argument felt as if a different play was called. Mm-hmm. None of them were in sync on what they were supposed to be doing right. up to and including the halfback who didn't even seem to act like it was a screen pass.
1: Well, it's hard to call it a screen pass because you had trips left and all three guys were clearing out. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's <laughs> another thing. Was it <laughs> even and a screen while, pass? Several Browns defenders ran right through those clear out receivers? Like, Hey, you can see Grant Depp- Delpit hauling ass over there like, Oh, I want some of this, you know, this is, this is like when the stuffing hits the table tomorrow.
0: You know? Are we talking oh. about the are we talking about the the, the Warren motion into yeah. the three motion to four strong? You're like what? I was talking about the screen to well the, the screen that wasn't. I think yeah. I, I think Kenny just like threw it into the defender's balls or something. No, <laughs> Absolutely It was a play, no I, was a play
1: I tweeted because we were you know, we talked about doing this yesterday and some watching tape this morning. I'm like, okay, I'm five plays in and I'm already annoyed. And that was the play I was talking about.
0: Yeah, that, that, that it, it was a wise but I
1: don't spend a lot of time watching a Steelers offense this year. I'm just, yeah,
0: you know, you're trust me, your mental health is in much better shape than ours yeah. is. Um, it's been that bad, you know. I, I think I, what I've been saying is honestly, since Ben's elbow snapped six quarters into the 2019 season, this team has struggled tremendously to generate anything that, in, in many cases, even resembles an NFL offense Yeah, and the plays that you highlight absolutely show that. Now, if, if we want to, to refer to the screen game, the hmm. uh, I'll, I'll put it in quotes, the quick game, the Steelers have, I, I don't even know if they've really tried to implement it, but if we want to call that a passing game, that's sort of where I want to start here. Um, it, it's a mess. It doesn't take
1: yeah like, Bill
0: Walsh to, to tell you that it's an absolute mess. Right. It might be the worst in the NFL in in design and execution.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. We're in week 12. Mm -hmm. Okay. They got seven games to go here and they have a, a realistic path. Believe it or not, a realistic path to 10 wins this season. Yep. Do you think Mike Sullivan slash Eddie Faulkner can fix what they're doing right now with their passing attack?
1: Yeah. Well, by the way, the Steelers under Canada in those two and a half seasons, they're, they're <laughs> they've had a winning season every year and a negative point differential every year. It, it, it defies it's, logic. It's Astonishing. It's just anything
0: bad. that we know about football and the statistical relevance to the game yeah. Yeah. has been redefined yeah. by Matt Canada with an assist from Randy Fickner. All right, let's let's not downplay. His remarkable accomplishments
1: as well. I mean, he, yeah, Ben's last his offense scored 23 a, a game. <laughs> yeah, Ben's last season pickets for a season and whatever the hell this has been. Uh, so that the larger question no matter who the offensive coaches are now, it could be anyone, it could be Sullivan and whoever, you know, I don't care. Uh, bring back Curly Lambo or whoever. Um, I think the I wrote an article when I was at SI, uh, almost 10 years ago where I got to talk to. It was Bruce Arians was with the Cardinals. He had Carson Palmer and Palmer was in and out injury wise and drew Stanton, the backup. So he was Arians was sort of alternating Palmer and Stanton when he had to. Obviously with Palmer as the primary, but you don't always have that guy. And both Palmer and Stanton, I got to talk to all three of them and, and both Palmer and Stanton told me a, what they really appreciated about uncle Bruce is that he would sit down with them and go, okay, what are your 15? Like, what are the concepts you like? And what do you like about them? Let's build the whole plane out of that. And both Palmer and Stanton kind of intimated, you know, we don't get that everywhere. A lot of it is we are asked to run a system that has been superimposed on us that could be sort of for anyone. Um, And we've seen this with like the Bears for the last few years where they clearly wanted Andy Dalton. They somehow got Justin Fields and they're trying to make Justin Fields run an Andy, Andy Dalton offense. You're like, What? um but the best thing these guys can do for kenny pickett is to sit down with him and say okay we've got you know x number of days um we are already running in the bullet train at 250 miles an hour so we can't like stop and do off-season install what do you like what is good for you um you know and they need to study too and say well based on and they've they've both been in the building right so they you know what How are they from what I see? I'm not sure. (laughs) That's the whole problem here. You know, however involved they are in installs and, you know, the the planning through the week and adjusting for opponent and, and whatnot. The best thing they can do for Kenny Pickett is to sit down with him and say, all right, let's start with Pickett. What is the foundation of this offense now? What are we trying to define? What are we trying to accomplish here? And what are we trying to achieve? And how best can we do that with the quarterback we have? And you know, I told you this when they drafted him. He his ceiling is good, Kirk Cousins, his you know, floor is bad, Kirk Cousins. Kenny Pickett is what he is. I mean, I don't I don't want to waste time saying he is or isn't this or that. It, okay, this is what you have. Um, so that's the that's the best thing they can do to start with the foundation. What are you comfortable with? We have to ride this out with what he does best when I watch this offense and it's interesting that I see a lot of the same issues I see with the chiefs this year. Um, there, there aren't a lot of defined route concepts that open things up for Pickett. Um, it's a, it's a crap ton of seam balls and go balls and, you know, potentially explosive slants or posts. Um, pickens is pretty much just a a fade ISO guy. They don't, you know, they had this nice little stretch where they were motioning to four Strong to the front side, and they would use Pickett as the backside iso guy. They did that for about two weeks, and they stopped doing it. Then they made Pickett the front side iso guy, and that just turned into a disaster because of whatever. Um, you know, Pickett has been much better with play action than without. He has run play action on, like, 16% of his plays, which is, like, 35th in the league. He had two explosive play action throws against the Browns the first time they played he hasn't had an explosive play out of play action since week five. So, uh, and I'm not in the building, so I don't know what I see on offense. we can sit here and make fun of it. But th- the problem is the, the underlying root cause, I think Matt Canada had an idea in his head of how this offense would work. And it doesn't look as if he's really consulted with anyone along the way. It's just like, all right, I got my book. Here we go. You can't do that in the NFL. If you look at the most explosive throwers in the NFL, outside of Dak Prescott, this is point two. Outside of Dak Prescott, who's third, uh, CJ Stroud has the most passes completed of 20 or more air yards. Brock Purdy is second. Two is third. What do those guys have in common? Their offensive coordinators are either Kyle Shanahan or guys who grew up under Kyle Shanahan. What does Kyle Shanahan do better than anyone else? He ties the run and the pass game together. What also does Kyle Shanahan do better than him? Well, he schemes guys open. And I would say that for the new offensive minds on that team, because the run and pass game don't have anything to do with each other now. You've seen that. It's it's like, okay, here's our pass, and we're just going to run a bunch of guys in a straight line and see who's there. Which, by the way, is exactly what the Chiefs are doing, and it's kind of gross. Um, and then all of a sudden, Jalen Warren and Roderick Jones and, you know, running the, the motions. I think their run game is actually kind of becoming pretty cool. It's interesting, but they don't use anything from that to really integrate with the passing game. Yeah. One play doesn't set up. anything. No, else. there's no void no, of, no of any secrecy. kind of
0: progression or um, I, I had a conversation with some people um, during the game or after the game. They're not running a script that sets up anything, it no. seems
1: like anyway. No, um, That's, that, that's for... what I noticed. And that's another thing Kyle's better at than anyone. Well, I think Mike McDaniel might be better at that than anyone else right now. But there's, there is no, like, we're thinking four plays ahead. You know, we're not, you, you would never win in chess just thinking about your next move. You have to think four, or five, six moves ahead. They haven't been doing that. I wouldn't say they're going to be able to do that a lot. You start with the basic foundation. Kenny, what do you like? What are your big 15? Let's start there. Let's just start there. You have a Bengals defense this week that is just ass against the run, surprisingly, because they have good personnel. Uh, they you know, they have a lot of complicated coverages. So what do you do? You make the pass game simple, you lean on the run game. And for God's sake, give Jalen Warren the ball. He, <laughs> he leads the NFL – in yards after contact per carry he's top five in forced missed tackles he's top five in runs of over 15 yards let's not make this complicated he's your guy he is for the short term the bell cow of your entire offense you run everything else off of that and And i
0: wanted to i wanted to get into that too i was also going to point out jalen warren leads the nfl in yards uh over the last three weeks i understand that that's not like a great sample size but this is a team that ran for inches, not yards, in, yep. in the early part of the, of the season. Um, he is also a second-year player who was not drafted. And to some degree, I think this is more situational than anything, but to some degree, he is getting the ball overall less than Najee Harris is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the results between the two, really, if, if you take out the bottom five – They're pretty much the same, but the real difference is if you take out the top five carries that each of them would have, if you take out the top five, that's the only way Warren becomes comparable to Harris. Harris does not make big plays, plain and simple. You and I had conversations up and down about Najee Harris. It was like, you know, scripted by the the cliche gods covering the NFL leading into that draft. He's a big power back. Not really, but they're going to say that he is he has to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. This guy looks like Jerome Bettis. No, he doesn't. All of these things are like, you know what? I, I didn't even want Najee Harris. If it had to be a running back, Harris wasn't even the guy that I wanted. Now I'll admit I ETN wasn't my guy either. Javante Williams was, but what I see in Harris is exactly what I thought Harris would end up being. But the issue is Warren looks like the type of back that I wanted them to have. So If you're now uh, Eddie Faulkner, the running backs coach, I don't think that's a coincidence, by the way, that he's being elevated to that spot. Mm -hmm. Do you think we will see a lot more Jalen Warren, or do you think they're going to continue with with kind of a balanced attack between the two, which I don't – Najee, to be fair to Najee, he had a really nice run on Sunday, and he had a lot of carries where there was a 330-pound dude in his face the second he got the ball. That might have been the worst for him this so far this season Uh vision to me is the difference between the two Harris yes. didn't have a chance in this game though. He really didn't.
1: Well, Warren is more explosive and I said when, uh, when I did my running backs that year, that he is my comp with Steven Jackson, who is a very good player, but you know, if you needed four yards Jackson was going to get four yards and if he needed seven yards he was going to get four yards because and the Steelers that the year before I mean they had no consistency in the run game whatsoever so I think with both Pickett and Harris they were like you know what we our entire offense is just a huge ass grab let's just get guys with a high floor and I think in both cases they did that the problem is the ceiling and it's you know there um and then you get this, you know, you get Warren, who out of nowhere becomes this caterwauling, you know, rolling ball of butcher knives or whatever. And okay, well, you lead with that. Uh, you know, as, as far as like usage and all, I, I think we need to reduce it to the, the basics.
0: Is it, is it more situational, do you think? Because if you look at a guy that has 13 carries versus one that has nine. There is no situation. I don't know if that's hugely different.
1: There is no situation in which Najee Harris is a better running back for that team than Jalen Warren right now. There is no situation. He's a better blocker. He's a better, you know, inside outside whatever. If you want Najee Harris to help you with your, it it almost seemed like we're going to run the you know the whole, you know, if you run this many times you win, which of course, hello, correlation causation. Um, But it felt like with with Canada. Like we're going to run this many times and we're going to have a balanced attack. And that's just the way it is. And you're not looking at what's happening. You're not, you know, you're not flipping your, I mean, the whole Steelers offensive game plan. I do a thing called worst of the week every Sunday night. That actually the running back distribution made worst of the week because I'm watching Warren going, what? I mean, really? Why? This guy is, he's the only part of your offense that works. Him and Broderick Jones right now are the only parts of your offense that work. You have to lead with that. You build it up out of there. We get back to tying the run game and the pass game together. Well, if you're going to do those things, you need the elements that best make up your best run game. That's clearly Jalen Warren. I don't. I don't know how else you could, you know, dice it up.
0: Final two drives, game on the line. He didn't have a carry, did he? Jalen Warren carries zero.
1: Yeah, I kind of no carries. Yeah.
0: Um. To me, when you talk about balance and distribution, that's what it comes down to. I I you know, if you look at the end of the game, the difference between 13 and 9, all right. You know, I, I can't, I guess I can't argue four carries is four carries, but those carries, or at least touches, should have been made up in those final two drives. To me, that was really kind of like I, I didn't need more evidence of why Matt Canada needed to go, but it, it, it it's week 11, dude. What are we doing here? There, there's, it, I, I want to use that to dovetail into my other question.
1: Well, one I'm other pretty... point, and I, I, this also made worst of the week. <laughs> there was a lot of worst of the week in Canada's final game. Uh, Pickett said after the game that he expected the Browns to play more man, which does make sense. Cause they had played man at the fourth highest rate in the league. And I think they had played single high man. I don't, uh, cover one. No idea night. why you would do that against this team, but. That's just but, me. Well, that's what they do. And you know, Schwartz will so in this game, they kind of well, they the point was in this game they did less of it and there was no adjustment. It's like, well, you know, we'll just we'll figure it out. It's it's like he
0: it it's as if he was playing simulator football. <laughs> you know, there are guys, you know, Somebody there are guys that, that was, to me, and I really think that's what it was.
1: There are guys that go they 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 create their plan through the week, they don't have a second idea. And they go into the game saying, this is the way it's going to work. And no matter what, well, if it doesn't work, our guys didn't execute. If it does work, then, you know, everything is great. But if it doesn't work, our guys didn't execute the plan. And that sort of mentality, you know, well,
0: I, I, I think I can understand where that comes from. If you have superstars across the board, to some point, players have to be held accountable for a lack of execution. That, that's bottom line. But yeah. this well, is yeah. – it, it, it's so confusing to watch this offense. It, it becomes really hard to see intent. You know, I'm going back to that swing pass. Sorry, it wasn't a screen. The swing
1: pass. Yeah, someone has to block for it to what, be a screen. And, and they had no idea that was happening. There was no I just I love the reaction of all the Browns players and especially Grant Delpino yeah. on the other side of the field like, "Oh god, I want to get to, you know. He I don't I think he get did this guy. What, there,
0: there was a point it was too, you know, I, I was going to take a screen cap just to be a smart ass, but there was a point in which there are 3 Steelers defenders 7 yards down the field. There are 3 Browns uh, 3 Steelers receivers 7 yeah. yards down the field. They're all running like There like are first. 3 Browns receivers, Browns defenders Four yards from the line of scrimmage and closing.
1: Yeah, Jalen Warren doesn't even have the, the wraps.
0: Jalen Warren doesn't even have the ball yet.
1: Nope. And it was the first, it was a first that wasn't like the, yeah, it, wasn't it was like the fourth history. play of the game. That was the First screen read. It's it, they didn't. It, he turned his head immediately and threw the ball. To me,
0: it just shows they. It, it's like he scripts sixty-five plays, but he doesn't tell anybody. They didn't practice any of it. There's no adjustment. Kenny Pickett does not even need to look at, at the defense. Whether he's looking at it and not seeing, that was the absolute worst time to, to run that kind of a, a scheme. It, I want to get into Pickett, though. Yeah. And just give us a chance to pause for air. You are listening to the New Standard podcast. I am Neil Coulong, joined today by Doug Farrar of Touchdown Wire. Please follow Doug Farrar on. Twitter and life in general. His handle is right here next to his picture. If you are listening, it's at NFL underscore Doug Farrar. Please check him out. Fantastic work. Always one of my favorites before, during, and after the times we worked together. I read everything he ever wrote. Highly recommended. The elephant in the room here and maybe I'll use another cliche, maybe this is more a chicken versus the egg argument. I I think everybody here can agree Um, the Steelers had a less than ideal coordination effort on behalf of their offense. Hmm. I don't think it has to be as binary as people make it out to be. You have to have the scheme or you have to have the quarterback. Clearly, they need to be married in, in some way. Okay. I honestly look at, and I, I've watched every snap of this team many times over the last two years. God, that's most just... My <laughs> most common reaction from anything 10,000 foot so level. All the time. Yeah, Jesus. exactly. Exactly. That's what I tell people. The Steelers haven't been good in forever. I don't even remember when they were good. My most common reaction, though, honestly, is they both suck. You have a quarterback that can't make simple throws. I get that scheme is important, but they're not robots. This is not a video game. Mm -hmm. My guess, just I'm putting this out there, I think we will see Kenny Pickett's best game this season at some point in the next seven games, and I think we will see a lot of what we have seen. I don't think he's good enough. Do you think the Steelers – are going into the 2024 off season with Kenny Pickett in mind to be their unchallenged starting quarterback.
1: Unchallenged is a conversation that you're, I mean, they're having that conversation they're doing right now because I mean, you do, um, because your director of player personnel is talking to the advanced scouts. And you know, that, that funnels up to the GM like, Hey, I watched this guy, you know, raccoon state teachers college. This kid is amazing. We should get him in the fourth round. Um, couple things about, well, I want to bring up a couple of quarterbacks. First is Josh Allen. Um, and your major domo and one of my favorite people, Chris Perrone, was obviously very happy when they fired <laughs> Ken Dorsey. Um, and some of that was Dorsey's fault and, and some of it was Allen's fault. Against the Jets, there was one play because they had used, you know, I heard all this stuff about, oh my God, the Bills used so much more motion. No, they didn't. They ran 15 pass plays with motion. Allen completed all 15 for three explosive plays and all three of his touchdowns in the previous 10 games, they had run 150 pass plays with motion. The average was exactly the same 15 per game. The difference was Allen in total completed nine passes over the middle, including the 81 yard touchdown pass to, to clear Shakir, which was one of those, Oh my God, Josh Allen throws. So the middle of the field came back in and there was a 16 yard, uh, Passed over the middle of Dalton Kincaid, where Stephon Diggs ran motion, uh, reverse orbit motion, and then they had another motion, and it screwed the Jets linebackers up, and it created an opening for Dalton Kincaid to run his stop route and just go, hey, I'm Travis Kelsey for a minute. That's what you need. The other quarterback I'll bring up in in the larger, more global sense over the last two years is Brock Purdy obviously you know mr irrelevant that's a cute story well obviously no one and i've watched his college tape but yeah i get it i get why he was mr irrelevant he wasn't really there wasn't anything to him but he went into the offseason and that first you know after he was drafted he sort of got his fundamentals together with his performance coaches and then he went into a system that play after play after play after play breeded confidence when i'm on the field Uh, I know Dwight Clark used to say of Bill Walsh's offense, when Walsh first came in and they had been crap for like 10 years, the Niners, and they had to get used to the fact that when Walsh said, yeah, even when you think you're not going to be open, you're going to be open in the end zone. There won't be a guy five yards around you. They look at each other like that, that can't be possible. And then they'd go into a game. Oh, holy crap. He's actually right. And once that starts to trickle in, you become a different quarterback. Brock Purdy is an exponentially different quarterback than he was even in weeks two or three this year against the Giants and the Rams. When he was spraying the ball all over the place. So he looked like a, you know, just a random guy. But when we say that we don't really know what Kenny Pickett is yet, I mean, that sounds like a cop-out, but we really don't because-
0: We, we don't know. No, we, we, we don't, don't know what
1: that. We don't know what Kenny Pickett is like in his system when the pass game and the running game are together where you were leading with his favorite passing concepts. We,
0: we, and, don't, we don't know what his favorite passing concepts are. What I, I, you know, well, I wanted to get why, back to that why, point. That's my overarching point. I, I understand. They, they need
1: to find that out, and they need to throw the rest of the shit out for what,
0: now. Uh, how, let me pose this, then. What if he did say those were his favorite?
1: I mean, what if they're running what he wants? Yeah.
0: Well, um, Matt Canada doesn't scheme up Seam throws that are literally three yards inside to the defender. He's done that multiple times this year. There have been multiple well, sideline yeah. throws that he's missed terribly. His yeah. accuracy is, is garbage.
1: He well, is it's, dressed it's incredibly yeah.
0: in that, that way. Coordination doesn't fix that. Your coaching should, you know, help with it, but it, it's not often an injury is, is a part of it. Age is a part of it, but your accuracy shouldn't diminish from year one to year two, and that's what we're seeing with Pickett.
1: Well, it shouldn't. Um, the offense is very, has been very simple. It's you know, it's a lot of seam stuff. It's a lot of, I mean, Pickens has basically been relegated to the the front door, back door, deep fade guy. So that's the only routes that he runs effectively.
0: To yeah. be honest, he's, um, he's not nah, a route he's, runner.
1: He's actually a good. He's a good uh, outside slant and post guy. Uh, they just don't run it a lot. Um, but let, let's take it from pickets. Let's go even one more step down and get real granular, like put on your, uh, VI goggles. And now you're the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers versus you're the quarterback of the 49ers right now. You have Kyle Shanahan designing your offense. Well, the first thing you know, I remember when Sean McVay, became the Rams head coach and Jared Goff had had that horrible 2016 rookie season. Um, and, uh, Oh, Mike McCoy did the same thing for Tebow when he was the Broncos OC well, make fun of Tebow all you want, but the point is the same. Both coordinators uh, coaches said to both quarterbacks, the first thing I'm going to do is your first read is going to be open every single time. And once you have your first read open, now you can start to see the whole thing. So again, we're, there are steps to creating a successful offense. It's not just like, Oh, well your concepts suck or this or that. Um, so I, I, I have to go back to, I don't know what Kenny Pickett is. I have, I didn't know that Brock Purdy could be this. Um, you know, I was so high on CJ Stroud. He was my QB one over Bryce Young by a pretty wide margin. Even I didn't expect this, you know, Tua. I didn't expect this. You can't know until you see, a guy. like, what is the ceiling? What is the ultimate, like, how far can this guy max this out? You look at Kirk Cousins, and whatever you think of Cousins, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback who has maxed out his ability ever more than Kirk Cousins. I mean, that guy is, he has been painting the ceiling like Michelangelo his whole career. and He you you know, should be a him. hero
0: to people, to be yeah. honest. Very um, few have ever gotten more out of what he's had throughout. He has mined he the whole out. damn thing. So and, and he we agree on this is. too. He just played the best six games of his career.
1: Yeah, because yeah, Kevin O'Connell. And he's going
0: to sign. He's going to sign for minimum thirty five a year with the
1: Vikings. Yeah. They're going to give him three more years. Yeah, just because of O'Connell. what they did. Because Kevin O'Connell is in a system. It cr- has created a system where again, the quarterback Mike Martz in his I've seen old Mike Marks, like greatest show on turf playbooks. And he would tell us receivers to present a favorable picture to the quarterback. I always love that term. And I think offensive coordinators far more so should always present a favorable picture to the quarterback until that happens. I have absolutely no idea what the quarterback is capable of. I just don't know. You can I, see what it is with like four different concepts and half the time it works and half the time it doesn't. Obviously they need more play action. This picket is much better with it. Um, you know, you can point to all of
0: that is true and I'm not even (laughs) entirely disagreeing with it, but at a 10,000 foot level, that's the case. Teams would be trading out quarterbacks all the time. We wouldn't see Desmond Ritter, you know, guys like that wouldn't even get drafted. You'd have your quarterback and you'd be paying the coordinators $35 million a year to come in and make them better. The the, the players are ultimately the ones who they're the straw that stirs the drink. They well, need to be set again, up better, yeah. i.e., Kenny Pickett. But going back to the Cousins analogy, that is literally the opposite of what the Steelers have right now. Right. So if you're getting rid of the coordinator, why is the quarterback staying? I don't. Well, I don't really see what you're going to do. How do you said, change when, Kenny Pickett?
1: When I said the floor is bad, Kirk Cousins. Where was Kirk Cousins drafted? Fourth round. I remember doing his tape out of Michigan yeah. State. And I'm like, yeah, that's about where I thought you should go. He was. I think my, I think my con for him was Matt Flynn. And that was before Matt Flynn signed with Seattle. I think it was around the time of his sixth touchdown game against the Lions when he was with the Packers. But when I say Matt Flynn, when I say low Kirk Cousins, you get a picture of your head. It's why I sweat comps so hard on college guys because when I say that, you get a picture in your head or a, a, a approximate picture in your head of what that quarterback is. So that those are the two worlds in which Kenny Pickett is going to float for however long he plays. So just for me, for my money, and we'll move on here.
0: If whatever they do, interim coordinator, hire somebody else in the offseason, whatever it is, if that doesn't work, you have your answer on Kenny Pickett. And very similarly to Matt Canada, that decision has to be made more or less in January. If you're going to keep him, which I'd imagine that they would, you're going to know very early on whether or not it's the right decision and you're making your decision for the next year then, uh, or it's just flat out not going to work. What I know is Mitch Trubisky makes $8 million a year. He's signed. They obviously don't want him to start. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much more money they want to put into it. So to me, for my money, I think the Steelers will stick with Pickett. They'll figure out whatever it is that they're going to. I don't have really any faith, though. But um, well, you know, here's
1: I, here's one quick. You said if if it was this way, they pay the coordinators thirty five million dollars. Go back to the twenty seventeen Vikings. This is one example I always think of. And Pat Shermer was the OC, and there were a bunch of injuries. And Case Keenum came in and for like seven weeks. Case yeah. Keenum was the best deep thrower in the NFL. Pat Shermer was the OC. The New York Giants hired Pat Shermer to be their head coach the next year. So. In some ways, that ha- Mike McCoy got a head coaching job because of the work he did with Tebow. So those things do happen.
0: You realize that both of those examples are utter and complete failures as head coaches.
1: That's the point. <laughs> My, point. My point. No, is you're
0: right. You're right. I'm just LLCs, saying, the OCs it's,
1: it's, get elevated. Yeah, ele- it's yeah like absolutely, heard, they do. Absolutely. If you into freaking you know, Aaron Rodgers for half a season, oh, we'd like to see what you can do here. Here's the one
0: you, know, you should be really pointing good. out is Freddie Kitchens because that's really the real comparable for the Steelers. Yeah. Let's say Faulkner Sullivan, the 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 dynamic duo, pull Kenny Pickett out of the throes of horrendousness which he's in right now. And he shows flashes of mediocrity down the stretch. That's a big win right now for the Steelers. They'd win, great. they would have won a couple of the games that they've lost. They'd be one of the best teams in the AFC with yeah. better quarterback play.
1: If they had if a, a half decent offense, they'd be in really good shape.
0: If they could get that over these last seven games, and there are winnable games on this mm-hmm. schedule, you know. Bengals they're, is a winnable they're, game. they're one point underdogs at Cincinnati. Yeah. In a vacuum, the beginning of the season, all things being equal, you would have you would have bet that it'd be Bengals minus six, at least. Well, that's not a stretch you know, at all.
1: Vegas obvious Jake Browning is,
0: you know, yeah, I, I I don't even know who he is. He's some, uh, he some went to dude.
1: Washington, so I know exactly who he is.
0: He's Oof. not the guy. Well, he went to Washington like eight years ago, didn't he? Yeah. He's like the oldest guy to have not started. Pretty much. <laughs> he's he's yeah. not the guy with three last names like we saw in Cleveland who Cincinnati ran out of plays yeah. by, by the end of the second
1: quarter. Cincinnati's passing game right now. You guys are going to get some PTSD because it's very, you know, it's yeah, you know it's like you've been that's, watching. That's, that's, what that's what you because, do. Uh, yeah, who, who can only handle these, you know, it's that's, like. Uh, okay. Thank you. That is like exactly what I'm could, talking about. That's like what you do when Wando, you have a
0: quarterback so that can't do anything.
1: Yeah.
0: You run what Cleveland did last week. You're going to see Cincinnati do it, and Pittsburgh's been doing it for two years. Right. They had two quarterbacks that have done this.
1: Yeah,
0: It's not like Trubisky's numbers were, were better or worse. I mean, pretty much the same. Yeah, But it, Steelers' schedule the rest of the way here. One-point underdogs at Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is on a mini-bye week with a, an, old, an old, non-started, first-time starting quarterback – uh, home against the Cardinals and Patriots. They're going to be favored in both of those games at the Colts. Pick them pretty close home against the Bengals. The way things are going with the Bengals wouldn't surprise me if, if they shut a couple guys down by that point. Um, they probably are, are one point favorites in that game at Seattle, your Seattle Seahawks, Doug, I should come out there for that, by the way, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, interesting game very interesting game call that a pick and then at at the Ravens the Ravens might not have anything to play for it by that point yeah. so to be honest the Steelers could end up winning 10 games this season and not have a quarterback that you could possibly rely on for week one next season coordination helps and I, I absolutely am, am all for the scheme and the Steelers scheme sucks but it, there there comes a point now if the eyes really were not on Kenny Pickett, they absolutely are as quickly as Sunday. Steelers at the Bengals. that's a one p m Eastern kick for all you fans out there. We are gonna break it down following the game. Um, I think it might be a solo show and I'm not gonna bug you on a Sunday, Doug. I know that you go on like nothing but coffee and adrenaline and can't yeah, stop for it can't stop for little people like me and like us. I get what? I get
1: I get like uh, you know texts for radio hits on Sunday afternoon. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like Who's <laughs> listening to the
0: radio on Sunday afternoon anyway? I I've never really understood that. No, but um, we are going to be here. I am going to be here. Probably just me following the Steelers Bengals game. Thanks for being on the show, Doug.
1: Yeah,
0: run the ball, Run the ball. Put it
1: because yeah. the Bengals let's have what, let's the play second- nineteen.
0: Let's celebrate the Barry Sanders documentary that came out yes. and just run the ball all game like don't, even, don't all even bother
1: but the Bengals have one of the three worst run defenses statistically in the NFL run the ball
0: yeah I I am hoping that that's what they do I am hoping that was uh kind of the idea with Eddie Faulkner drawing everything up because Tomlin should recognize they're not fixing this anytime soon this, oh, this no, is a can't. band-aid you to can't. get them through the season and be competitive and you know what it, it's their best foot forward so if they got to run three times and punt, I'm okay with that because, frankly, we've seen them throw three times and punt many times of the season.
1: Kyle Shanahan damn near won a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo treating him in the playoffs like he was 1973 Bob Greasy. Throw the
0: ball and we'll kill you. It and can we, happen. If Jimmy Garoppolo made one throw, they win that game. Of course, yeah. he didn't. That's Jimmy's legacy. Yeah. You have been listening to and watching in some cases the New Standard Podcast. I'm Neil Coulong. Thank you for joining me, Doug Farrar. Please follow him on Twitter. Please check out touchdownwire.usatoday.com. All of the NFL Wire sites, uh, fantastic stuff going on over there. Uh, great work, Doug. I appreciate it. Everybody else, um, yeah, check us out Sunday following the game. Hopefully it's a win. Uh, we'll see where it goes, but it, it's a, it's a monster game for the Steelers. Week 12, the real season starts for the contenders. Let's figure out who the Steelers are and who they can be with their new offensive direction. But you've been listening to the New Standard Podcast. I'm Neil Kulong. Thanks for
1: tuning in.